Dave is back from his U.S. trip, so today we ask the question, what makes a good space museum? Yep, expect high praise for some and rants about others. I've come back extremely opinionated. <laughs> What's your favorite space museum and why? Let us know via our social media pages at Space and Things One if you still use Twitter and at Space Things Podcast on Instagram and Facebook or via the contact form on our website. And don't forget to share this podcast with your friends. But right now, enjoy episode 121 of the Space and Things podcast. Space and Things with Dave Giles and Emily Carney. I'm Emily Carney. And I'm Dave Giles. And welcome to episode 121 of the Space and Things podcast. So, Emily, we finally met. I know, finally. <laughs> We've been doing this for almost three years and finally we, we met each other in person. Um uh, just one note, Dave is very tall in person. <laughs> I'm also very short, so that created a bit of a, a tragic height differential. But that's okay. I, I, I'm just kidding. No, really, it was really awesome to finally meet, finally meet you. But it's weird because there was no, like, first meeting awkwardness because, like, we've known each other for, like, ages, you know? Yeah, it was very amusing. I picked Emily up from a hotel in Wichita to take us across to Hutchinson, and the other people in the lobby must have been very confused because the two of us were a little bit excited to be in the same room together. Yes. It was quite a moment. Uh, no one captured it. It was just for me and you. It wasn't filmed or anything like that, but it was just a really nice moment. We were both so excited to, to finally be in the same room as each other. It was really awesome. It was it was worth the wait. And, and how good was that event as well on on that Friday night in, in Hutchinson, Kansas? That the Cosmosphere put on. Yes, uh, that was an event for that I won't forget. It was an event for the ages. Um, I'm still honestly emotionally overwhelmed by it, just because. I mean, friggin' Harrison Schmidt jumped on the stage with us at the end of the event. My <laughs> mouth, like, literally, was like on the floor when that happened. Like, I was just like, did that really happen? Like, it was insane. Uh, yeah, and there were so many legends there. It was just incredible. It was such a great event. So for those of you who don't know, it was called The First and Last Steps. The special guests uh, included Apollo-era astronauts Fred Hayes, Charlie Duke, and Harrison Schmidt, who have all been to the moon. Charlie Duke and Harrison obviously uh, have walked on it. And some mission controllers from that era's flight directors Jerry Griffin and Milt Windler, and flight dynamics officer Jerry Bostick, more on him in a little bit, and some shuttle astronauts Steve Hawley and Jeff Aspie. And we had a, a nice bit beforehand where we got to have a, have a photograph, which Emily and I did put up on our social media, uh, and meet a lot of people as well that were there. And for me, for the first time, meeting so many people who I've come to know after, over the last few years, but it was a reunion for, for you, Emily, a lot more than, than for me uh, with some of those people. And then we had a, we went through and there was some food and there was a silent auction, some wonderful things. Well, you were trying to bid on something. I can't remember what it was. Was it Lego or something? Yes, or was I it was. I was trying to win the Lego, the Apollo 13 Legos. Ah, yeah. Uh, Lovell, Hayes, and Swigert. I wanted to bring them home. There's a long story. I have the Emily Carney Bad Bobby Lausma Lego set. Yes, there is <laughs> one. Okay. It was very limited edition. 
It is in front of my television set, and I need to join her with Apollo. I need to her- join her and Jack slash Bad Bobby. They need to show up together. I'm sure that's possible. I'm sure that's possible. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Fredo needs to swoop in with Enterprise and, and save her. And save her. I'm so excited for this this new Lego adventure you're going to have. Uh, yes. I hope you film it. I hope you create some online content using yes. your Lego characters. That would be amazing. Yeah, it would be insane. Going back to the event, it was just amazing. So there was a Q&A with the, with the special guests as well, um, hosted by Jim Remar, who was on this podcast when we were talking about the 60th anniversary of Liberty Bell 7. Two standout moments. One was when Jerry Bostick was asked about Skylab. He called Skylab boring. And I was the only one who turned to look at Emily and see her face uh, and get to enjoy that moment. I'm surprised you didn't scream. (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to keep it in. I was like, what the? I love Jerry. Jerry, if you're listening, I don't know if he listens to the show. I I still love you, but I... I'm sorry, he's just wrong. For, well, fortunately, Milt Windler came to came yes. to the rescue, didn't he? Thank you, Milt Windler. Milt Windler is my favorite person. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, Jerry was talk. Uh, Jerry Bostick was talking more in regards to him being a flight dynamics or- officer and being in charge of orbits. He'd just been working on Apollo, working out trajectories for spacecraft yeah. going to and from the moon. Suddenly, doing something in Earth orbit wasn't quite as exciting exactly. for him. Uh, not as spicy. Yeah, it, not as spicy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other thing I take away from this, I mean, I, I really enjoyed Steve Hawley as well. I thought he was really funny. But yes. um, Harrison Smith was just incredible. Hearing him talk was amazing. And I feel like I've greatly underappreciated him as as a living astronaut and and now want to go and find more things of him talking i was talking to francis french uh, the, the other day uh, asking him does he have a book because i'd never heard if he, he had a book i want to find out more about this guy i want to get inside his head i want to know more about his work and and why what he did was important because he just came across as so so amazing on that stage and I absolutely loved him being there it was a real honor I got to shake his hand which was a big deal for me as well uh so it was just just an amazing amazing event uh, and there's a lot of talk about the Apollo anniversaries okay so I, I started at something in hipsters where I was talking about Apollo anniversaries and well this may come back later in this episode as well a lot of people responded saying young people aren't interested in the Apollo program or what used to happen. And I fundamentally disagree with that. Mm-hmm. And I have evidence. Emily, you and I are evidence because we weren't alive. We may not be young people anymore, but we were young people once who weren't alive when it happened. Yeah. And look at us. Here we are, right? Yeah. So I don't think it's impossible for young people to to be inspired and amazed and in awe of the Apollo program. And I'd like to tell everyone about who I was sat next to yes. at this event. So I was sat next to a young girl called Nora, and she was with her mum, and she was 12 or 13, maybe maybe 14 at a push, but I think she was under 14. And she was there because she loves engineering and, and, and rocketry, and she, made, she builds model rockets. She's from Kansas, from the state of Kansas, and she builds these incredible model rockets, which are winning all kinds of awards, and a local businesswoman 
has obviously spotted that Nora has this amazing talent and is clearly switched on and said to her, and, and obviously the family have been to the Cosmosphere many times, and she said to, to Nora and Nora's family, are you interested in going to see this event about Apollo, the anniversary of Apollo 17? And they said, yeah, absolutely. So this local businesswoman sponsored Nora and her family to go along, p- paid for everything, and Nora was there lapping it all up, really engaging in watching these 80-year-old men talk about, 80 to 90-year-old men talking about this trip that they took 50 years ago. And the next day afterwards, there I am in the in the queue to meet Fred Hayes and she's standing next to me, complete co- by coincidence, we were in the queue next to each other as well. And she's so excited to meet Fred Hayes. And young people can and are excited about this if you let them be, if you tell them about it, if you yeah. engage with them about it, if you show them and tell them the stories, they can be engaged about it. Uh, and Nora was wonderful. She was a great person to sit next to her. I thoroughly enjoyed sitting next to her and she was so engaged. And And I think that people need to stop telling young people that they're not interested in something that yeah. we haven't made the effort to let them know about or their schools haven't let them know about or whatever it is. The Apollo program is exciting. It is fun. It's amazing, and it's still here for us to enjoy it at the moment, even though they're really old. There's still living things going on. And this this event and sitting next to Noro absolutely reminded me of that, and I thought it was wonderful. It's like if you tell somebody that math sucks, if math is a bad topic, they're going to believe it, and they're going to do poorly at math because they're going to develop this concept that, well, it's just too hard. I can't do it. And it's the same thing, I think, with aerospace. You know, if you tell somebody, well, young people don't like that stuff, you know, they're not going to be into it. You know, they're going to think, oh, it's boring old people stuff. And it's absolutely not. It is like the most exciting. I, I think Apollo Remastered, if if anything, has proven that. I mean, this is still a hot thing that people want to read about, that people want to buy up. I don't think you can get a copy of that book anymore. Seriously, like that book is so hot that you can't find it anywhere at least in the united states i don't know what it's like in england it keeps selling out over here as well yeah the minute i opened it i was like this is going to be a sellout because these photos are just exquisite and people are just they're going to want to buy this i mean not just to have it and say hey i have this book they're going to want it because it's a beautiful art book it's Mm. beyond almost the program itself if that even makes sense it's almost sort of like a testament to what people can do i read somewhere recently or i had a conversation with someone recently there's been so many things going on i can't remember exactly where this quote came from but someone said to me or i read that the apollo program was a slice of the 21st century halfway through the 20th century and i think that's absolutely spot on uh it was so ahead of its time and did so much stuff uh beyond what humans were capable of at the time I think for many years people struggled to even comprehend what even happened and I think there's a knock-on effect of that but essentially it's just as relevant if not more relevant now than it ever has been because finally you can almost imagine it happening I think almost at the time you couldn't have done which is really quite something but yeah I mean you and I can can go on about that for absolute days. Now, I know uh, we've had a few people ask whether you and I recorded anything together when we were together. Unfortunately, we didn't get to do this. Uh, Emily was a little bit under the weather. So, yeah, um, I had an upper respiratory infection and I did not want to spread it to anybody, especially uh, I know Fred Hayes was doing a book signing that day. He is a very healthy man, but he's still in his late 80s. 
And I, my worst nightmare would be to give somebody like him something. So I absolutely had to um, stay isolated that day. Absolutely the right decision. Uh, and th- these things happen. So it really wasn't a big deal. We can still record like this. It's not like we haven't done for the last 120, however many episodes. Anyway, something I did want to ask you about is I believe that the week before in New Mexico, you got a tour of Spaceport USA. Yes, I did. I will briefly discuss it. It was incredible. Uh, when you hear the word spaceport, you automatically think of you think of maybe a couple places in the United States. You think of either Cape Canaveral, Kennedy Space Center, you know, palm trees, you know, all yeah. that stuff. You know, it's kind of tropical. Or you think of Vandenberg, which is in the mountains. It's kind of foggy. Nobody thinks about New Mexico, but really, Spaceport America is incredible. It is in the middle of the desert. It's near uh, Las Cruces. If you drive a ways out to go there. I do want to say that they only have private tours only at this point. You can't just drive up there and be like, hey, I want a tour. Yeah, it doesn't have a Kennedy Space Center style visitor center. Yeah. So I think you would have to arrange a tour there if you were interested in it. And also it's it's a working spaceport um, as well. And they have a working runway there. So if there's contingency landings there, people can do it. But um, it is amazing. It, It really is a 21st century spaceport. In the middle of the desert. And I mean, the visuals look like something from the movie Dune almost. I mean, it's just you have all this sort of space age equipment and you have a runway. It's very large runway. I think it's roughly 12,000 feet. Roughly the uh, length of the shuttle uh, runway because one is meant for Virgin Galactic when their planets come back. And um, it is the home of Virgin Galactic as well. But also, uh, Up Aerospace uh, is a company that does suborbital missions. They launch a sort, it looks like a sounding rocket, but it's a small rocket called the Space Loft XL. And they launch a variety of like research type uh, missions as well. And it's really a full functioning uh, spaceport. It's just on a different scale than, you know, Kennedy Space Center or Vandenberg or something like that. And it, it's really uh, modern looking and it's really beautiful. I had an amazing time there. I do have to say New Mexico is much different from Florida. It's it's very dry. It's kind of <laughs> cold there. I did bring a jacket, but at first I was not used to that. And, uh, you know, I'm a little Florida girl, so the, the weather was kind of killing me. It was yeah, no wonder you got ill. <laughs> yeah, it was 46 degrees when I got there, and I hate Oof. saying it. I am a sissy when it comes to cold weather. <laughs> like, I will get upset in Florida if it's like 70. You know, if it's 70, yeah. God dang it. It's like the Antarctica here. But um, for me, the visual part was amazing because you have a, you know, you have a launch pad. It's not as big as like, say, the SLS launch pad, but it's still a launch pad. And you have this land, this gigantic landing facility in like the middle of the desert. And I think we're going to see a lot from it as the future goes on, especially um, hopefully next year when they start flying Virgin Galactic again. We've been hearing some news that they might start flying test flights again, maybe next year sometime. So hopefully um, yeah. seeing more about it in, in the future. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit jealous you got to go, to be honest. I'd love to head down that way. So uh, hopefully yeah. one day I'll get, get down there. One more thing before we move on to the main section of this week's podcast. I mentioned Francis French earlier, but he's just done something very cool, which I think our listeners might be interested in. 
Obviously, as many people know, he authored a few books with Al Warden, the Apollo 15 command module pilot, and he has donated some copies of Falling to Earth to Nova Space to raise money for the National Ataxia Foundation. Ataxia is a disease of the nervous system with no cure yet. It begins by attacking speech and motion and can end in an early death. It killed Kim Poor, who ran Nova Space for decades, and now it's affecting his daughter, Kelsey, who appeared on this podcast a while back. Nova Space are the people behind Space Fest, which is held dear by many in the space community. The books are on sale for $50 on the Nova Space website, and they're signed by both Francis and Al Warden himself. Obviously, since Al's death, signed copies are finite, and this book is considered to be one of the best astronaut books out there. All of the money will go to the National Ataxia Foundation and hopefully they can help find a cure or help to slow down the symptoms in time to help Kelsey and others like her. If you can't get a book, please consider donating anyway. I'll put some links in the show notes. Uh, But yeah, this is a chance to get a a signed copy of Falling to Earth uh, in order to also help out some good people. Okay, so let's get talking about space museums. As we approach the holiday season, we want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and all the best for a Happy New Year. So, with Dave having just got back from the U.S., I want to know more about the museums he visited and then open it up to a bigger discussion about what we think is a good museum and why. So, Dave, tell us about the places you visited. All right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I was over for, I think it was 10 days and uh, managed to get to six different museums on this little trip. The first of which, I mean, it's kind of a museum, but it's kind of not at the same time. It's it's called the Cernan Earth and Space Center. It's in Trit- It's on the campus of Triton College, which is west of Chicago. Uh, it's in like the western suburbs of Chicago, and this is essentially it's a planetarium that, that run the odd show and feature. Which, if you're in the area, try and fit in. There was nothing running at the time I was there, and I knew that when I was going to be going, so I wasn't disappointed by that. But within the foyer of the entrance of this center they've got some amazing stuff predominantly gene cernan related but they've got some other stuff as well they've got his flown apollo 10 spacesuit so that's pretty cool and they've got some really cool stuff and it's all really well labeled and which is really cool as flown apollo suits aren't that easy to come by anyway everything they have is really well labeled and you can figure out exactly what each item did and how it was used. And they have some QR codes that you can scan for more information, which I think were made by one of our Patreons, Ed, who also told me about this place. So thanks for that recommendation, Ed. Uh, What I was impressed with, though, was that despite the fact it was a small place and there was no entrance fee, although they did have a small gift shop, uh, they had made a huge deal about the Apollo 17 50th anniversary. Obviously, Gene Cernan was the commander, so that makes sense. But they had actually done something. Some huge posters on front of the, on the front of the building and little ones on lampposts around the campus. It just made it feel like they cared. So if you happen to be in and around Chicago and you want a bit of Gene Cernan or a Apollo fix, then head out to this place. There's a couple of other great museums in Chicago as well, the Adler Planetarium and the Museum of Science and Industry, which have some amazing collections. But this small little place is definitely worth a visit. Um, from there, I drove. I, I drove. Drove. From there, I drove up. Drew. to... Yeah, I did. I drove up. Uh, <laughs> I didn't cry. I crowed. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I'm invent. I'm inventing words in English language okay. at this point. It's all good. 
I drove up to uh, Oshkosh <laughs> in Wisconsin to visit, and I believe you've been there before, Emily, the EAA yes. Aviation Museum. That's the Experimental Incredible. Aircraft Association Museum. I don't know if it was there while you were there, but it had the Borman, the Frank Borman exhibit, which was amazing. Um, you can tell that Frank had a lot of in, a ton of input, obviously, into that. He worked a lot with Chris Henry on it, who works for EAA. It's just awesome to see. I mean, Frank Borman, I think, is the epitome of the Cold War warrior of like, you know, he really wanted to go the the moon to beat the Russians, you know, and he did it. So that's just incredible to see. Um, and also the Joe Engel exhibit there. I was just dying over. I mean, Joe Engel is one of my all time heroes. And I'm not a pilot, by the way. But as a non-pilot, I've talked to pilots who are like, this guy is one of the is like the best natural pilot I've ever met or worked with. And I mean, some of the memorabilia there that is on display, there's the uh, knee board for the STS-2 partially manual reentry, which is one of the most badass things anybody has done in space history. Like <laughs> flying the space shuttle, which was brand new through a bunch of just manual maneuvers. And they had the knee board for that, basically showing, okay, this is what you're going to do at this point. And this is more aviation related, but I swear to God, I'm going to write about this and get sued by like 30 different people, but it's going to be worth it. They have the Voyager. Uh, they don't have the plane. Yeah, they've they got they the cockpit the area. Yeah, the cockpit bay area kind did, of thing. Did they still have the the Dick Rutan and the... And the Bert Rutan. Uh, the brother outfits? Yeah. Yeah, there's a cowboy outfit. I was like, that's the only way to fly a plane. I'm sorry. If I yeah. ever did fly a plane, I would dress like that every single damn day because I'd be like, I'm just badass. Yeah. The Voyager plane, for people who don't know, it, it flew around the world with a crew without refueling. That's right, isn't it? The first one to do so. Yes. It yeah. was essentially like a large flying fuel tank. Yeah. And it had a very tiny crew compartment. And I want to add, and this is the part that's going to get me sued, is um, the two people in it, broke up like the day before they flew that Gina Yeager, not related to Chuck Yeager and Dick Rutan. They were like in a relationship and they like had broken up like the day before. Wow. And they like, yeah, boy around the world. Yeah. And yeah, I love my husband. We're very close and I would murder him if I had to fly (laughs) with him around the world. So I think he, (laughs) one of us would kill each other and we're, we're very, so I don't know how these people did it with you know having straight up broken up with with each other no if you see the seriously i'm not i me and steve love each other of course but no if you see the crew capsule i mean it is i'm not a very big person and it's I tiny got, yeah I, I got freaked out looking in it i couldn't have done it like i'm like they must have shrunk themselves down like like lost a lot of weight to even get in there so yeah it was insane but I'll stop, but yeah, it, 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 there's a lot of incredible artifacts, and it's enormous as well. So yeah. I need to go back to that museum. Obviously, it's an aviation museum, not strictly a space one, but as Emily has already pointed out, they have plenty of space stuff. It's got loads of great planes and stuff that you think, that can't be a plane. How is that a plane? How does that fly? And it does. Um, they have uh, Air Venture, which is a big air display going on once a year. I've heard a rumour. Now, this is unsubstantiated. I've not spoken to anyone in relation to 
the museum. But I've heard a rumour that this year's show may have a space theme. That is pure rumour, and don't book it based on okay. that. Maybe check it out. But I've heard a rumour that it might be space theme next year. So uh, it might be worthwhile going to, or at least finding out more information about. Um, so, yeah, when I got there... I, I, one, there's a space hipster, I'm sure you know, called Anne Cedarquist. You you know Anne, don't yes, you? Yes, I know. Unfortunately, yes, no, no she, she is a volunteer at the museum, but she wasn't there because she was on her way to the Cosmosphere. She went down early to the Cosmosphere for the event. And Anne sent a message to Chris Henry and said, Dave's coming in, can you give him a tour? So Chris came out and gave me a tour. Now, Chris is the director of the museum or one of the directors of the museum. Also was the co-host of a great podcast, which Emily was a guest on for an episode, uh, the Apollo 13 Minute Podcast, which, uh, again, if our listeners haven't listened to, it's really, really great. goes through every single minute of the movie Apollo 13 and gives you some stories about it and interviews key people, both in terms of the movie and the real event. Worth listening to. Anyway, Chris was great, and he gave me a little guided tour of the Borman and the Engel collections. And a couple of stories. The, the Engel one, I, it backs up what you said. Okay, so obviously Engel, before he became uh, an astronaut for NASA, in terms of, uh, as we know, that obviously flew the X-15, which was a space plane that did get a few people to space and had been given their astronaut wings since as a result and he was one of those pilots Neil Armstrong was one as well although he didn't get it to space when he flew it but Joe Angle did a barrel roll in the X-15 to come back in to try and slow it down just to, to, to break some of the speed and when he landed he got accosted by or one of the, the the directors of the of the project said to him Joe did you do a roll and Joe was like yeah uh, yeah I did so yeah, you can't do that. I know you can do it. You know you can do it. But we can't <laughs> we can't be letting the other pilots know that that's something that you can do in this thing because some of them won't be able to do it and it will go wrong. And it just shows like, he didn't even worry about it. He knew he could do it. He was that good. He was such a great pilot. Um but but Chris really pointed out that the beautiful thing about that exhibit is it's 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 the Joe and Genie exhibit. Yes. It's not just Joe Engel. It is Jeannie as well. Yeah, so Jeannie was Joe's wife, and she worked at Mission Control at NASA and has her own Distinguished Service Awards as well. So it was great to learn about her. And the Borman collection is similar. It's as much the story of Frank's wife, Susan, who unfortunately passed away last year. And it's as much about her as it is about Frank. Susan was also a pilot, and that's really great to find out about as well. In my opinion, the story of Frank and Susan is one of the great modern love stories yes. of our time. It's just really great. And then you have the Voyager one, which is tribute to like the most destructive love story. Yeah, exactly, right? So yeah, there's like yeah, they've got yeah, the they've yeah. got the opposites. Absolutely. Get the balance. So within the Borman collection, they've got Frank's personal preference kit, uh, which he took on the Apollo 8 mission, which included a photo of Susan, which he didn't take out of his PPK because he didn't want to get distracted. But he took it all the way there and all the way back, but he didn't take it out cuz he didn't want to get distracted by looking at a photo of his wife. And it's just such an adorable story. But they've got some wonderful artifacts of both uh, the Engels and the Bormans, uh, which I, I just think was amazing. It was one of some of the best collections I've ever seen. Amazing. Yeah. And it's all well, so well laid out and, and beautiful and all that. One other thing you didn't mention, they have a replica of Spaceship One and a wonderful exhibit that, that shows how that worked with a big video screens. Yeah. So this was... Uh, 
the first commercial space plane, essentially, what what the Virgin Galactic plane now is is a direct descendant of. So yeah, it's a great aircraft museum with some great space stuff. So yeah, if you can get up there, definitely do it. From there, I drove across to Sparta, Wisconsin, the place where Deke Slayton grew up, and I visited the Deke Slayton Memorial Space and Bicycle Museum. Uh, and it's run by Alyssa Young, who we had on this podcast not so long ago. And Alyssa was there, and I got to meet her, which is lovely. Now, this is a, a proper... I love these kind of museums. This was a proper small town hall-style museum. It's in an old Masonic hall in the upstairs room, and they've got bikes around the outside and the Deke State and stuff in the middle. Now, the two aren't related. There's not a connection with Deke with being an avid cycler, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> but th- yeah. this is the nature of these kind of small museums that have to r- represent the local town. Sparta, Wisconsin, is the cycling capital of the US, apparently. Who knew? I do now. Uh, yeah, so I do now. Yeah, I, I do now. And, and it was this great, loads of cool bikes. But in the middle, you've got the story of Deke Slayton, and they've got some wonderful artifacts. We, we, so we had Alyssa on before, and she talked us through some. One of his Mercury suits, uh, obviously he didn't fly a Mercury, but still cool to see his fitted out Mercury suit there. Um, loads of handwritten letters, and some of them were super sassy and all that kind of stuff. Loads of personal artifacts. But it's a really engaging, small local town museum, and they do some really cool stuff there. They have a space camp there for kids in the summer. They run for two different age groups and they have a host of activities and guests for the kids, including Mark Lee, who is a shuttle astronaut from the area, which is super cool. This place is tiny. It's a small town in the middle of nowhere and the kids get to see that Deke Slayton, who was once like them, became such a huge part of NASA. And also there's another astronaut from that area too. I mean, how inspiring is it that? That's just a crazy. I wish... Uh, these that more kids get to experience this kind of thing. It's museums like this, which I also wish got control of the bigger artifacts. I wish some of the bigger things would end up at places like this, but more on that later. What Alyssa is doing here is great. And if you're ever nearby, maybe to do some cycling, pop in and show us some support. This is constantly trying to look for ways to improve the museum and update how the stories are being told and make them more relevant. It's such a great place. I then did a long drive, long, 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 long drive across two days to go out to another aerospace museum, the Strategic Air Command and Aerospace Museum in Ashland, Nebraska. So that was quite a bit of a trek. Again, mainly aviation, some missiles, that kind of stuff. But they've got a space section, which is the reason I wanted to go. The airplane stuff is all great. If you're into airplanes, you're going to love it there. You really are. A couple of big hangars with lots of cool stuff. The space section is, again, it's so well done. It's just a small area, but Ashland is in the middle of nowhere. There's a song by the Counting Crows uh, called Omaha. Uh, Omaha, somewhere in middle America. And Ashland <laughs> is like the next town along from Omaha. It really is in the middle of America, in the middle of nowhere. But there was an astronaut from Ashland, Nebraska, the only okay, Nebraska North, Clayton Anderson, who we've had on. And had Clayton on. is now the director of that museum. And I don't know whether the space section was there before he took over on that role, but it's a very cool section of the museum. It does a great job of telling the story of space flight using a few artifacts, loads of really cool photos, and some pretty decent-sized set-piece displays. It also has a great interactive exhibit all about black holes, which is pretty cool. But then you've got this area where, which teaches people, and again, it's similar, reminds me of the Deke Slayton thing. If you're from Ashland and you turn up there and you see this exhibit 
which is all about this guy from your hometown and his time he spent on the International Space Station. And there's his spacesuit that he wore. And it's the most beautifully displayed spacesuit, especially the Russian Soyuz spacesuit that I've ever seen. It's so beautifully displayed. And finding out all about his story and, and Clayton is... He'll he'll tell you his story if you ask him about it. It's a wonderful story because he just worked really hard. And, he you know, as we had him on and we spoke about, he was rejected for being an astronaut, what, 18 times, but he never gave up. Times. Yeah, so ridiculous. So, yep. again, having that there, that little exhibit about the hometown boy and what he achieved is amazing. But if you happen to be driving through Nebraska... <laughs> It's definitely worth it's definitely worth checking in on. And then I went to the Cosmosphere. The Cosmosphere is without doubt the greatest space museum of all time. It just is. Yes. And I'm sick I didn't get to see it this time, but I will again. You will. I, I will be back there again. You will. I have airline credit, so I, I'll be back there. There you go. I mean, it's just ridiculously good. It's just ridiculously good. And they're, they're still updating it. The, it was different from 2019 when I was there. They updated the V2 and the V1 section and all that. They're, they're updating things all the time. But, but you're talking about a museum, again, in the middle of nowhere, and there's the whole argument of why is it in the middle of nowhere, when their answer is always, why not? But they do it so well. Yeah. They, when, when you've got a museum which is doing, doing it so well, they've got great artefacts. Apollo 13 command module, Gemini 10 capsule, currently they have the Liberty Bell Mercury capsule and they do send that out onto private displays. But they've got so many great art artifacts there. A ridiculous amount of good art. They've got, I mean, they have the backup Sputnik. Wow. I'm like, how'd they even get that? <laughs> like, how'd, they, how'd you all do, get that? Do you know what I mean? Like, the backup, yeah. the one that would have flown if the other one blew up. Yeah. Like, how'd you all get that? That's I mean, crazy. It's a king. It's it's so crazy. It's so crazy. But it's not only if they got it; they've got it well labelled. Really, they they tell the story of spaceflight, the history of it, the way you walk through, and they tell the story of it is just um, it's just so good, and every, everything's punctuated with really good artifacts. But it tells the story, and they don't gloss over the bad bits either. They make you very aware of all the bad things that happened. Uh, on both sides of bad practices, they don't shy away from any of that. Maybe because it's not an official NASA place, they can do that a little bit easier. Uh, but they don't shy away from saying when things were bad. Uh, and also, the outreach that this museum does in the local community and the wider world is amazing. The way they connect with what is going on Follow them on Instagram. Follow them on, on Facebook. Even if you can never get out to Hutchinson, Kansas, go on the Cosmosphere socials because you're going to learn stuff. They do great outreach. It's amazing. So another thing I would recommend, if you're traveling across America, have a look at where the presidential libraries are. They're really interesting. If you're into history, they're really, really cool places. Um on this trip, I was able to go to the Lyndon B. Johnson one, which is in Austin, Texas. In the past, I have been to the John Kennedy one, the Richard Nixon one, and the Ronald Reagan one. They're all really, really cool places. And if there is any ever a space story that happened within a presidency, there will be space artifacts. There will be something to tell the story of that. And of course, Lyndon B. Johnson, LBJ, was such a huge part of the Apollo program uh, and make, getting that off the ground and 
getting NASA funded early doors, he was really integral in all of that. So, of course, there are some artifacts here. Not as many as I would like, but it's still cool. Uh, definitely worth checking these kind of places out. They're not space museums, but if you're a history nerd, they're always cool as well. They can be guilty of telling the story of that presidency as they would like it to be remembered rather than what really happened. But actually, on the whole, I think they've been pretty fair uh, to the presidents that they're portraying, warts and all, to an extent. Uh, But I think that makes it interesting if you go in with that thought process as well. So my final stop, and yeah, I've been talking a lot. uh, No, you're fine. You're fine. It's fun to hear. Was Space Center Houston. Now, people need to be aware that Space Center Houston obviously is a visitor center next to Johnson Space Center, but it's not Johnson Space Center. These are two completely different entities, but if you want any access as a member of the public to Johnson Space Center, you have to go to Houston Space Center unless you know someone, right? So essentially it's a museum and they've got wonderful artifacts, some of the best artifacts, but God, I hate how it's run. And 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 I'm going to be quite rude about it. Okay. It annoys me. I find it, and, and it's, this isn't the only place that's like this. It annoys me. So I was there on the anniversary of the Apollo 17 launch. They have the Apollo 17 command module, and there was barely a mention of it anywhere, unless you looked really hard. Yeah, that's not cool. You know, and I mean, they have the command module. Absolutely. And they have a lunar rover, you know, which is kind of, you know, that was that was what 17 was about, you know. And I always assume the 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 scene behind America, if you've been to Space Center Houston behind the command module, they have sort of a panorama set up, but it's like a live. It's like a real panorama, like but they have a lunar rover and two astronauts who you and they have orange soil in there from what i recall but you kind of assume that cernan and schmidt it it's set up to be like apollo 17 yeah so yeah that's really not excusable yeah there's one tiny little i want to say it's 12 inch tv screen behind the command module which normally has a a, a video like on repeat of gene cernan being interviewed about the mission sat in that little spot which is quite cool uh, and on the, uh, they updated it with uh, on this day fifty years ago. This is what happened on that one time, and that was the only thing on the whole site. Now I know that they had an event on the sixteenth of December. I know they've got a gala in January. There was no advertisement for that anywhere. Yeah, there, there's no nothing up anywhere saying uh, one of our key art artifacts is currently part of a major anniversary. It's such a missed opportunity to connect yeah. with people. Like, it's such a missed opportunity. And I can rant about this forever and ever and ever. And and, and the Science Museum in London are the same. There's other museums that, that are the same. The bigger ones where they've got so many different things and they're, they're trying to be lots of different things to different people just miss out on so many great opportunities to educate. And as, as we were talking about at the start about... Uh, young people not being interested in the Apollo program. One of the reasons they're not interested is, or they are, they can be interested, but you've got to engage them. You've got to connect them. If there's ever an opportunity to do it, it's when you've got the command module there and you go, you know, 50 years ago, that was on top of that rocket you just saw in that big hangar over there uh, and blasting into space. This one right here. 
and there were three guys yeah. in it, and here are their names, and and uh, here's something about them. It's absolutely the way to do it. It's absolutely you can connect. It's a one of the moments you can absolutely use, and they didn't do it, uh, and it's so frustrating. I, I think that's not excusable, you know. And I like Space Center Houston. I, I don't want to make it sound like you know. I'm trying to go off on them. I like going there. I like visiting there, but I agree. They should have gone in a little further with, you know, at least advertising their event or, or something like that, you know, to basically be like, Hey, this happened on this date 50 years ago. And, you know, stuff like that. That's such an important mission. It really is. And space center Houston, they've got great artifacts. If you're in Houston, you've got to go, you've got to go. It's amazing. Area, I would definitely, go. you've got to go. But it's it's frustrating that it could be so much better. Towards the end of the day, they were they were kicking people out of the room where Apollo Seventeen is, and they were, they were setting some tables up. And I said to someone, "Oh, are, are you uh, are you doing an event for Apollo 17? And he, and he just went, "No, it was the IKEA Christmas party." IKEA, IKEA, yeah, just you know, it was a corporate thing, and and then oh. and the next day they had, this, had their party there, yeah, okay. yeah, which is cool, you know, I get it, they've got to make money. The next day, again, fiftieth anniversary, I think they didn't have any event there, but they did have the the police the, uh, doing a big convention there about drink driving. Uh, what? <laughs> I get it. I get it. They've got to use their space to make money. I get it. Yeah, they got to use their space to get paid, but still, that's kind of crass on an anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. And so, as I've mentioned already, I did a post on Space Hipsters kind of moaning about this. And I actually had a former Space Spencer Houston employee contact me and say, This is exactly what it's like. It doesn't care. It only cares about making money and being a theme park. I just feel it needs to be better than that. I feel it's such a missed opportunity. I mean, let's talk about some of the things they do get wrong. Like you've got a Gemini cap near, near uh, the Apollo 17 command module in the same room. You've got a Gemini capsule. It's the Gemini 5 capsule. And they've ha got it hanging up and they've got two models in there, or, or, around it. One is inside. It's Gordon Cooper. And then they've got Pete Conrad outside doing a spacewalk. Now, that didn't happen on that mission. I know that might seem like I'm nitpicking, but it didn't happen on that mission. And I understand that they're trying to show one of the objectives of the Gemini program, spacewalking. First time America did spacewalks. Yeah, this is cool. I get that. But that capsule had its own mission objective, of which is completely ignored. It's They spent eight days, that crew spent eight days, nearly eight days, in that capsule. Eight days or bust was the the mission slogan. I think that could connect with people. Imagine spending eight days with one other person in something that size. I think that could be just as powerful. And bear in mind, that was the mission of that capsule. It's things like that that just confuse me and frustrate me. The ex-employee also told me that a lot of the people they, they employ to do the tours and, and things like that, they're straight out of school. There's nothing wrong with being straight out of school, but they don't give them any specialist training. Now, let me tell you two stories uh, of why that's uh, probably not the best idea. The first time as an adult I went there was 2019. It was the anniversary of the landing of Apollo 11. I was about to go into the newly refurbished Apollo Mission Control. Uh, it's obviously in a building called the Christopher Craft Mission Control Center. And... 
I asked a quick, we had some time before we went in because the, the group before us was in, in the room. Uh, any questions? I said, has Chris Craft been here since it was renovated? I knew, obviously knew he was very old. Um, and the tour guide said, Chris Craft is dead. Everyone on that tour went, whoa, no, he's not. They got to double down on it. Yeah, he is. He's dead. In the end, he got his phone out and looked up and found out he wasn't dead and had to apologize to everyone. Oh, no. And two days later, Chris Craft did die. I obviously then felt awful like I'd killed him, but that's a whole other story. On this trip, I went on the VIP tours. Now, these aren't cheap. These are very expensive. There's one in the morning, one in the afternoon. They take you to amazing places within Johnson Space Center, and it was so good. However, the tour guide, who on the whole was really good, but one of the stories that was told, we were in the Spacewalk section, the Spacewalk Hall of Fame, and she pointed at a photo of Ed White, obviously the first American to do a spacewalk, and said, look at the gap between the first spacewalk and Gene Cernan's spacewalk. That's quite a big gap between the first two. When you look at the others, the gaps aren't as big. Uh, and it's because Ed White misbehaved on his spacewalk and didn't come in when he was supposed to. And as a result, they punished the astronauts uh, to, until they agreed to behave better. What the what the I hell? I said a cuss word, but this is a family show. Absolutely yeah. right. Like, come on, that's so disrespectful to say. To, to, like, to yeah. it didn't do anything wrong. I mean, when they did that, when they said that to him during the EVO, it was kind of more of a joke. Like, yeah, yeah, you got to get back in because you're having too good of a time, you know? Yeah, and if it doesn't take much research or much training to tell someone that the reason there was the gap was. There was no spacewalk planned on the next three Gemini missions, and the next one was supposed to be Gemini 8, but they nearly died. <laughs> so they couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, they almost died. So they had to come home. <laughs> they almost died, so they had to come home. They had to come home real quick. Yeah, they didn't really have a choice, you know? Yeah, so th it's this kind of experience that makes me want to have to chat about what is a good space museum. And to me, it's about... Oh telling the story correctly and using your artifacts artifacts to inspire people and to tell the story and keep that history alive and inspire yeah. the next generation. That to me is what it's all about and doing it correctly. But some of the big ones yeah. seem to neglect that and they take the it for granted. probably have access to more money. Yeah, you know? exactly. The ones that should know better. Exactly. The ones who have access to more resources, probably like one of my favorite museums probably in the world is um, is the American uh, Space Museum in uh, in Titusville, in Titusville. Right. It's by the Space Walk of Fame. It's not very far from that. It's a couple but, of rooms. Um, yeah, it's a few rooms. It's not very big, but it's got the most incredible collection of artifacts. They have um, docents there who actually work you know, who were volunteers who actually worked on, you know, the space program. I mean, they've had people who worked on Apollo, Gemini, um, shuttle, you name it. I mean, they've, they've volunteered there and these people know their stuff. They know their history because they work there. I've seen stuff there at that museum that I, I mean, you just would not see any, I mean, you're just not going to see it anywhere else. It's not chintzy or anything, but it's not very big. You know, it's not, you know, they're not a Smithsonian type institute. You know, they're not, you know, they don't have, you know, a, a gigantic archive with like tons of, you know, stuff in it, you know, but the, they, I mean, it's just incredible. They have the, the thruster from Gemini 8 that went bad. I yeah. mean, come on, that's friggin', 
that is nuts. No other place kind of boasts stuff like that, but that museum has soul. It's got soul. That's what makes it different to me from like some other places that are more, I hate using this word corporate, I guess, corporately run. It's, it's got a, they've got a soul to it where, you know, the people there really care about the, what they're doing. You know, um, they really know their stuff because they, they, they have that passion because they worked in it, you know? And yeah, I feel like that's the difference, you know, between, and, and not to slam space center Houston, you know, I've had a lot of good times there, but from what you told me, I'm like, yeah, that's probably about right. Probably nobody thought about, oh yeah, there's a big anniversary this week. Or anything like that, you know, or or thought to advertise that there was a big anniversary and hey, we're having events coming up for it. Go check this out, yeah. you know, or go look this up. You so know, or so they, they had this uh, big Christmas lights thing that we we're doing in the evening. Again, you pay extra to go and w- walk around it, and it's nice, you know, Christmas lights, Christmas yeah. lights, Christmas lights, right? Huntsville has something kind of like yeah, and and it's cool. Like, I, I get it; those kind of events are good for the places like this, and it's going to bring people in. But there wasn't a single part of that. Bear in mind what's going on for most of it. There was about the Apollo 17th anniversary. And it, and it just, again, it feels like a missed opportunity. Just have a little bit of your light show about Apollo 17. They're, they're building these light shows. They've got Buzz Aldrin standing on the moon. They've got all these things. Yeah. Like, they're building this stuff. Just build another one for Apollo 17. It's one of your artifacts. Like yeah, Connect exactly. with your what what you have got there. Like And the anniversaries around it, when it's just... Uh, so frustrating. Yeah. I, I know there are also good volunteers there. I know there are good people there. Yeah. I know there are good tour guides. I know and that. That's slamming everybody that's abs- there. Absolutely know? not. Absolutely not. And don't not go because it's also really good. And the, and, and the access you get on the tours is amazing. I got yeah. to see the, the neutral buoyancy lab. That's amazing. I got to go into mission control and 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 see things going on on the ISS from mission control while I was standing there watch a sunrise on the on the ISS from mission control I got to experience that there's nowhere else in the world you're going to do that unless you go to space Center Houston it's an amazing place yes it is amazing but I think places like space Center Houston often take it for granted that people are going to come anyway because they've got that access, because they have these incredible artifacts, because Houston is Houston, Houston we have a problem, and so on and so forth, of course people are going to come who are interested in it. People are going to spend their money. But if they're asking for the amount of money they're asking for these things, then also those people, people like me, have the right to get annoyed about it and have a right to vent their frustration at, the fact that it doesn't feel like they care or that they're doing it correctly or for the right reasons. Yeah, you could do better. Exactly. And I think it's okay to criticize constructively. And I think that's what we've done here. Yeah. Con- criticize constructively. You know, okay, this is how you guys could market yourselves a little better, you know, and maybe you guys could, you know, switch up your content strategy a little bit. You know, that's how I look at it. You know, as somebody who, does stuff like that. I'm always like, okay, this is how they could enrich their content that could appeal to broad numbers of people, you know, not just people who are space geeks, but also kids. Cause kids. I, yeah. Next generation. Yeah, young people who I definitely think would think this is cool because they went to the freaking moon, you know, yeah. I mean, come on every, you know, my niece and nephew, they're in, they're teenagers and they're not really into space stuff. And I don't expect them to be, 
But when they see the Apollo stuff, they're like, whoa, they went to the moon. I'm like, yes. Yeah, this has happened before any of us were born, before I was born, you know, and it's really cool that they did it. And, you know, they have they're not obsessed with it, but they think it's cool. And I think, you know, it could appeal to a lot of different people. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, listeners, if you have a favorite museum, if there's a museum you think is doing something really good near you that we should be shouting about and talking about, let us know, because we will. I, I think you pray should go to museums who are doing it well. And the ones that aren't, we should. I, I'm happy to help them. If they want to reach out to me and say, give us more feedback, I will do it. Every time I filled out their feedback form and I've told them what I've thought, both the times I went, I didn't hear back from them to say, we're sorry that the slight things you're talking about, yeah. which were big deals, weren't, weren't dealt with. And I, So yeah. I, it doesn't feel like they actually care for feedback, and which again is, is quite tragic when they ask for it as well. Yeah, we're willing to work with you guys and talk to uh, you about what we think, yeah. you know, and- in a constructive way. I, yeah. I don't think anything we've said here is, you know, offensive or, you know, needlessly critical. I, I think it's, I think not acknowledging that anniversary during that time at a major space center is kind of messed up, you know, that's yeah. all. I don't think that's overly critical at all. Yeah. Also, I don't think they should sell a t-shirt saying failure is not an option with a picture of the space shuttle one. But, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, you know, oh. I, I, their oversight is, yeah, it's lacking. Uh, can do better. Can do better. But still go. Go, go, go. Anyway, let's move on. Roger, we've been trying to talk to you for a while here. So, Emily, cast your mind over the last few weeks. Has anything caught your eye that you'd like to talk about? It's incredibly stupid. Um, what caught my eye was John Young looking like a member of, like, Little Feet. In in um, Apollo in real time, Apollo 17, 1972. Uh, there's a picture that Ronald Perviance, uh, I think I'm saying your name right. If I'm not, Ron, I'm very sorry. But he put it up on Space Hipsters. It was a screenshot of John Young in Mission Control during Apollo 17. I knew he had a mustache during that time, but this child got just hit by the 70s with a slit with a bat like. You got to see this picture, y'all. I have it on my personal page, but it's in Space Hipsters. And he's got a mustache and he's got a cigar. He hasn't combed his hair in a minute. I mean, I don't know what's going on in this photo. He's got a turtleneck on. It's basically peak John Young. Uh, He's got his credentials hanging off his turtleneck as well. They're clipped (laughs) to the turtleneck, aren't they? Yeah. And everybody's like, he looks kind of like a a clown like this, but (laughs) he still looks cool. Because he's John Young, you know? I mean, anybody else looking like that would probably look like a clown. But he looks, I mean, he just looks like, yeah, whatever, I showed up like this. Y'all will get used to it. And and they did. They did. So, yeah, y'all, I'm just amazed that this guy was like the most, I don't know if the most, but one of the most accomplished astronauts by 1972. And he just shows up in Mission Control, not a comb in sight. Yeah. Nope. Love it. That's what I noticed. That's I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. That's what this section is all about. Sometimes yes. it's going to be like that, and I love it. So, Dave, uh, what caught your eye over the last few weeks? <laughs> okay, so on my flight out to uh, the US, I downloaded the Amazon movie Goodnight Op- Oppie. Uh, Opie? Oppie? I don't know. Opie. <laughs> and this is about uh, the spirit and opportunity rovers that, that were sent to Mars. 
and oh my god, oh my god, my eyes were hurting, my nose was hurting, my tear ducts were stinging. It was so beautiful. I loved it. Uh, I kind of felt like I had to apologise to the people sitting around to me because I was uncontrollably sobbing. Slight overreaction. It was intense. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So please go and watch it. And I think the reason I wanted to bring that up is because uh, this week we have also found out that uh, the Insight uh, Lander is also about to say goodnight and, and is shutting down and, and is covered in dust so much that its batteries are too low now. Having completed 1,445 Mars days, souls as they're called on Mars, INSIGHT stands for the Interior Exploration Using Seismic Investigations, Geodesy and Heat Transport. You can see why they called it Insight. Yeah. <laughs> so it was designed to give the Red Planet its first thorough checkup since it formed four and a half billion years ago. It is the first outer space robotic explorer to study in depth the inner space of Mars, its crust, mantle, and core. There's a team of 25 to 30 people who have been working on it. It's detected more than 1,300 Mars quakes since it's touched down in November 2018, and its life is about to be over. Thank you, Insight. We've learned so much from you, and I'm sure the data that we've got from this is going to be poured over for many years to come as well. Uh, it's always a shame when we lose one of these things, but they're never going to last forever. They're living in harsh environments, and yes. it's not like we can just pop out and service them. And they always seem to do better than expected. Uh, yeah. on the whole so uh, it's a testament to the team at JPL for how long uh, this this thing has been has been operational and all the partners who are involved in, in the Insight Lander so yeah good night Oppie great movie and unfortunately the end of the NASA Insight Lander they're the things that, uh, that I have noticed in the last couple of weeks and from the crew of Apollo 8 we close with good night good luck a Merry Christmas and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. Okay, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. Next week, we're doing our 2022 roundup. And the week after that, we'll be previewing 2023. And we've got a very special guest joining us to do that. Thanks for listening. And thanks to those who continue to support the podcast. We've had a couple of new signups on our Patreon page, which is always lovely to see. Head over to patreon.com slash space and things to get involved on there or head to space and things podcast.com. If you'd like to get one of our t-shirts, pins or patches, but don't forget in space, no one can hear you. Me space and things has been brought to you by and things productions. <laughs>